Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, your life connection to the information for a healthy body, an enlightened mind, and a renewed spirit. Good morning, and welcome to my show, Blessings with Selene. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and that you got to spend time with your family. And if you didn't, I hope that you had good friends around you. The holidays can be a very lonely time if you're not able to be around those you love, and it is especially so for anyone who is grieving the loss of a child or of a loved one. And this is because traditionally during this time we get together with those we love, and so we keenly feel the absence of that person who was precious to us and who is no longer here physically with us. My question to you is, if you are someone who has lost a child or a loved one, do you believe in your heart of hearts that your loved one is still around you and wants to help you pick up the pieces of your life? I hope that you're able to believe this, but if you do not, I want you to know that I totally respect your beliefs. On my end, I firmly believe that my son is still around me, helping me, even though it has been 22 years since he died. Now, why do I believe that? Well, because I feel it. It doesn't come from my mind. It doesn't come from my reasoning. It comes from my intuition. It comes from that little inner radar that we all have. I feel his presence whenever a monarch butterfly stops in front of me to dance when I'm having a very bad day or when I'm contemplating a difficult decision or when I see God's light peeking through the clouds or when a rainbow appears. My belief does not come from my mental processes. No, it comes from my heart, from a deep knowing that nothing and nobody can take away from me. Do any of you who's listening also feel this way or have had similar experiences? I would love to know if you do. I would love it if you call the show and let me know. The number is 646-378-0378. Now, I think that you would agree with this, that the hardest part of surviving after losing a child or a loved one is figuring out, figuring out how to pick up the pieces, how to rebuild your life when that is the last thing you want to do. Because you don't want to do so without your child or without your loved one. Am I right? This has been the most common outcry I hear from other bereaved parents. And because of this, I want to help you. So today's topic is all about how to do just that. As you probably know, we human beings are very complicated. We have so many thoughts running through our busy minds, and those thoughts create emotions and feelings which we have to deal with. And then we have so many choices to make as to what to do, how to behave, etc. And then you add to that the outside influences, the voices, the advice of many people who feel free 
to give us advice or to share their opinions about what we should or should not do. So you end up feeling completely numb and overwhelmed. And this paralyzes you. It makes it almost impossible for you to take any step forward, no matter how small. Can you relate to this? Does this sound familiar? I know, because I've been there. I've been in that place. So here is how I got out of that place while I continue to grieve. Because I got news for you. It is possible to move forward and grieve. The truth is that we never stop grieving the loss of someone who is so close to our hearts. Don't you agree? That's true. But we do have a choice to shut down or to move forward. And this choice is only ours to make. If you choose to shut down for a prolonged period of time, it might be because that is just what you need to do in order to survive. So it's okay. However, I do believe that all brief parents reach a point sometime during the grief journey when they come face to face with the realization that they must move forward. Because if they don't, they won't be able to withstand the suffering any longer. And their loved ones won't be able to either. Because we don't live in a vacuum. No. No, no. We don't live in a vacuum. What we do and what we don't do affects those closest to us. Do you see? So if you're at a point where you're saying to yourself, the time has come for me to do something about my life, then listen on. As human beings, we have the physical the mental, and the spiritual aspects of ourselves. And in order to move forward, we need to attend to each one of these. Beginning with the physical aspect, anyone who's grieving would benefit from being kind to their body. Why? Because grief is exhausting. So plenty of rest and kindness towards ourselves is what is called for. And this is not a selfish act, not at all. It is actually self-loving. And don't you think you deserve to give love to yourself? Of course you do. So that's the first aspect, the physical. Then comes the mental aspect. Anyone who is grieving suffers greatly because of all the memories that crowd our minds all the time. And some of them are quite traumatic and difficult to let go of. That is why it is so important for you to develop practices that will be of help to you. Positive practices that you can implement every time that you are assaulted by those painful thoughts and memories so that you can temporarily shift your mindset to a more positive one. So you could choose to make your own affirmations, which are just sentences short sentences that you can repeat over and over to yourself to retrain your mind, your brain. Or you can decide to dwell, switch to positive and happy memories every time that you find yourself in that slump of sadness. So you can make out your own practice and use anything that you find helpful. You can also go online and look for affirmations and, you know, copy some of those that you, think, that you feel that will be helpful to you. 
Because if you don't do something like this, the negative or extremely sad thoughts and memories will be overwhelming to you. And not only that, they will escalate in time. And I know that that is not what you want for yourself, right? I know that you want to find a way to decrease your suffering and pain while at the same time honoring the memory and the life of your child who died or the, the life for the loved one who died. I know that's what you want. So let's move on now to the emotional aspect. Well, it's actually kind of linked to the mental aspect because the kind of thoughts that we're holding in our minds create the emotions and feelings we have. So it is important to be attentive as to what thoughts we're allowing to enter our mind because in that way, we can be kind to ourselves And how can we be kind to ourselves? By consciously choosing to dwell on the positive memories related to your child or to your loved one. When we do that, we invite more positive emotions and feelings such as gratitude, heartwarming, peace, compassion towards ourselves and others. To give you just some examples. And the last one, the last component is a spiritual one. For some of you who have been listening to some of my previous shows, this will not be new. But the fact is that the loss of a loved one is sort of a spiritual awakening or questioning for bereaved parents. Some parents may feel anger or disappointment. Others may feel detached from their previous beliefs. Still others, they may feel that they no longer care about a God that would allow their child or their loved one to die. The range of questions and the direction of our spiritual quest may vary, but invariably there are changes. The bereaved may distance themselves from organized religion or they may draw closer to it. They may become no-believers and the possibilities are many. But what's important is for anyone who is bereaved is to become clear as to what has changed in their spirituality so that they can have a sense of peace about it instead of a sense of added guilt, okay? So what now? What, what's the next step after tending to the four main aspects of ourselves? Well, then you can go on a sort of self-exploration of what you would like to be doing in the future, I say in six months or a year's time. So where would you like to be? In the same place you are now or a different one? In the same city or move away from it? Who would you like to be with? With your current partner, spouse, or by yourself? Because it's not a secret that a higher percentage than anyone would think of parents who lose a child end up divorcing after the loss. So what kind of activities would you like to be doing on your free time? The same ones that you did before the loss or different ones? What about your love, your job? Do you want to continue to work or do you want to stay at home or work from home? Or go back to school to use some of the knowledge that you have accumulated after your experience of loss? Or are you thinking of volunteering your time in order to help others under similar circumstances as yours? But you get the idea that I would like for you to do What I would like for you to do is to truly imagine yourself in the future. So 
what to do next? Well, you can make a vision board for yourself. So what is a vision board? It's a, it's a large piece of paper that you put on you know, cardboard um, or poster board where you glue words, photos, inspiring, inspiring images, and so forth that show your life as you envision it in six months' time or in a year's time. So I encourage you to make time to cut out. You can just put music that you like. You know, you can just have your cup of hot cocoa with little marshmallows rolling on top or your favorite, you know, type of coffee or tea. And, you know, just make sure that you have no interruptions, put your favorite music, get in your PJs, and then start imagining what it is that you want, where you want to be, who do you want to have around you, you know. And then just get a stack of magazines if you have them, or, or if not, just Google the, the kind of feelings that you want to have, images, inspiring words, and start, you know, either printing them if you're Googling or cutting them out from magazines. And then after you have done that, then you glue them to a, a large piece of poster board, and, and it will show you what your life is going to look like in six months' time or a year time, whichever one you choose, okay? So create, this gives the opportunity to create the best version of yourself on that board. So be thoughtful as to exactly how you want your life to be, and don't hold yourself back, okay? Don't. Now, for the most important part, once you have made your vision board, you will need to place it somewhere you can see it daily. And take time daily, preferably before getting up and before going to sleep, to look at it. And as you do that, truly imagine yourself being in those places, doing the things that you put on the board, feeling the feelings that you have in there, and in essence, bringing that version of yourself or your life into reality. Now, this is a very enjoyable process, but don't be fooled by it. It is also extremely powerful, and it will bring clarity to yourself as to what you truly want to bring into your life. Does this make sense? Feel free at this time to ask any questions, you know, by calling in to the show at 646-378-0378, because I value your input at any time, Okay. So in order to help out also with the vision board creation, I would also like to share with you a meditation that I created and that I call Meeting Your Future Self Meditation. This meditation is also included in my book, Not Your Usual Grief Book, How to Heal While Connecting with Your Childhood Diet. This is in one of the latter chapters, and you can find it there. But I'm going to give you the link to it on my website. So this is the actual link. You go to https colon two forward slashes www.notyourusualgreasebook.com forward slash ch10, the number 10, dash guided dash meditations. When you do that, it'll open up to a page on my website that has this meditation on it that says, meeting your future self. So this is also a powerful way to bring clarity into your life at a time when confusion and pain and sadness 
are your main feelings. So I hope that you will try this practice and that they, they will be of benefit to you. Okay? So I have that in my book as a way to help bereaved parents move through their grief, move from feeling that there is winter in their hearts to feeling the beginning of a new springtime in their life, you know. So if that is something that you would like to experience as well, feel free to go to my website, www.notyourusualgriefbook.com, where you will find the link, the link to purchase my book through Amazon. So are you one of those people who ask yourself, why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family? Why did this happen to my child, to my loved one? And feel frustrated because you don't have any answers. There are no answers. Well, you are not alone. We all do that, especially if we have lost a child. Because you see, our children are supposed to outlive us, which is why it is so hard to accept it when that does not happen. In my own journey of grief, I also spent time wondering about the why in regard to my son, Christopher, until I decided to spend time absorbing the lessons that experience of loss left me with. Exploring everything that I learned was invaluable, and I realized then that I could use it to not only help myself move forward, which I did, but also to do this kind of work where I get the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of other bereaved parents, parents who have walked my, my, my road, who have gone in the same journey. So as I focused doing on this, the whys were left behind. And I know that when I'm no longer in this world, of this world, I will know the why. But until then, there is work to be done and there is growth to be achieved. And I have been doing that. There is nothing special about me. Let me make it clear that anyone can do what I'm doing. You too can assimilate the lessons that your loss left you with and use them to improve your life and to make a difference in the lives of others. And there are so, so many ways in which we can do that. For example, you could decide to write a book like I did. I have a poster hanging in my wall, in my, in my place, that says the following. It says, your story matters. Share it with the world. Your story matters. Share it with the world. And I firmly believe that even if two people have had the same type of loss or have lost a loved one under the same circumstances, still, because we're so unique, their stories, their perspectives, their lessons, they will be different and they will be equally valuable and they may help different people who will connect with their style of writing or their special take on their circumstances. Another way would be to go back to school, to make it possible for you to work with a population that will most benefit from what you learned from your loss. You could volunteer in order to have contact with those who need your personal experience. You could organize a fundraiser and donate the funds towards a cause that is dear to you. And these are just a few examples of what you could do. You know, the, the possibilities have no limit, okay? 
So now I would like to talk a little bit about something that I know all bereaved parents worry about. Their surviving children, if they have any, if they have other children. I know firsthand that our children are forever in our minds and that at times we feel at a loss as to how to help them. There are bereavement programs that cater to siblings, and these are very helpful because they usually divide children according to their age, which allows for them to connect with other children with a similar type of loss. And that makes them feel less alone because when they are in school, they don't have, you know, they don't have other children in their classroom who may have lost a sibling or who may have lost a parent, who may have lost a grandmother. So they feel very alone and very different. So this normalizes that. Being in a in, in group with other siblings or other children the same age, around the same age, that have experienced a similar loss. There are also bereavement camps, and some of which are organized by the hospice programs in the area that you live. These are also helpful. So what does a bereaved parent do when a child asks questions that he or she cannot answer? Well, there are books that are written according to the age of each child and which address their level of understanding. They can answer many of these questions. And one of the books that I like that I think is helpful for children, young children, is titled, What on Earth Do You Do When Someone Dies? It's written for children. The author is Trevor, T-R-E-V-O-R, Romain, R-O-M-A-I-N like Romaine letters without the E. Another one that I like, this is uh, it's called When Dinosaurs Die, A Guide to Understanding Death. The author of that book is Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, Krasny, K-R-A-S-N-Y, Brown. I also like The Invisible String by Patrice, and that is P, as in Peter, A-T-R-I-C-E, and her last name is Karst, K-A-R-S-T. These are just a few of the books available to help young children. Now, for teenagers, there is the book, Fire in, Fire in My Heart, Eyes in My Veins, a journal for teenagers experiencing a loss by a need, and that is E-N-I-D, as in David, Samuel, like the name, dash, Traceman, T-R-A-I-S-M-A-N. So for anyone who is grieving, not just those who have lost a child, there is also a comforting journal for recording your reflections on your loved one's extraordinary life, their unique traits, and all the many experiences and traditions that you shared. It will help you, this journal will help you explore your emotions, Say things that were left unsaid. Connect with your loved one's spirit and find healing through writing. It is titled Forever in My Heart, a Grief Journal. And the author is Tanya, T-A-N-Y-A, Carol, C-A-R-R-O-L-L, Richardson. So I hope that you check out this um, resources that I have just mentioned because they're really, really good and they can be of great help. So what is the most important thing that you can do for your other children? 
Well, listen to what they're saying. And if they're not talking because children tend to protect their parents, then if they're not talking, pay close attention to their nonverbal cues and to their behavior. Watch out for acting out behavior in school and don't discount it. You know, when children misbehave, there's always a reason. And either they are hurting or they are not getting enough attention. Either way, they need their parents to be attentive and then to take action. If the child or the children are having trouble in school, make sure to arrange for a meeting with a teacher to explain the situation, if you haven't done so already, and come up with a plan of action. So just to get the guidance counselor or school social worker involved so that more support can be provided to your child while at school. Also, you can search for a grief counselor that specializes on children's grief. And keep in mind that it's important that you interview the counselor first to make sure he or she will be a good match for your child or children because you know your child the best. You know what approach, what personality, you know, what, what um, attitude from the counselor would, would be best suited to reach your child, Okay. And these counselors, usually they offer a free first consultation. So you can do that. You can do the interview. You can also ask other bereaved parents for recommendations on grief counselors too. That, that would be a good way to go about it. Now, if a child or children are acting not their usual at home, for example, they are withdrawn or defiant and angry when that wasn't their usual, make sure to pull them aside. Pull them aside and ask them how they're feeling even if they don't answer you because they protect you, give them a big bear hug or toss on their hair. The healing and comforting effects of, of physical touch when grieving are greatly underrated. I guarantee you that if you hug or cuddle your grieving child, if your child feels that enough attention is being paid to him or her and feels listened to, some of the behaviors will lessen. And trust me, I know. I know that it's hard to do this when you're grieving because you can barely pay attention to yourself, right? But it is so important that we do this for our child or children. It can make a huge difference in how they heal and process their grief. I will now share with you a practice that one of my clients started doing with her youngest son after the death of her firstborn. At bedtime, she began to have conversations with a child who had died. And she would say funny things to him. She would share about her day and tell him how much she missed him, how difficult life was without him. She would ask him to help her make it through the next day, etc. Did you get the idea? Well, at first, her youngest son did not know what to make of it. And he just listened. But after a short while, he began to initiate these conversations and he would share with his brother about his day and how hard he was going to school knowing that he wouldn't see him there, how he wished he had not died. And to this day, they both have these nightly conversations with him and he helped them both keep their special connection with him. Now, this is a beautiful practice that is not only meaningful, but it can be very healing to the aching heart of those who are grieving. Another practice or ritual that a bereaved parent can do with the children is to get a helium-filled balloon and have the children write a message to their brother or sister and tie it to the balloon before releasing it, or just write a message with a Sharpie on the balloon itself. 
as your child releases the balloon and watches it go up to the sky, there is a symbolic meaning that the message will reach his or her sibling, and that, that symbolism, it is extremely healing. One of the things that I myself did for Christopher's brother and sister was that soon after his death, I bought two small four-by-six little mini albums, photo albums for each of them, and filled them with photos of each of them with their brother. So I placed the album on their nightstand by their bed, and I told them that whenever they were missing their brother, they could flip through the photos and feel close to him. But you can also do this. You can also have each of the siblings pick out a toy, a stuffed animal, or a piece of clothing of their brother or sister to keep as their own keepsake. There are companies that you can go online and they can make a pillowcase or stuffed animals out of clothing of the person that has died. So this is something that you can order if you would like. I have had several clients tell me that you can register a star. There's an international star registry that you can go to and apply to register your child's name. So name a star after your child. And you receive a certificate and information on the coordinates of the star. This can be very meaningful to the siblings. You can even go to your local planetarium and ask them if they could, they could help you show you which star it is in their, in their view of the stars that they have at the planetarium. That's something you can do and you can bring your children to it. One of the siblings I know who lost his, his older brother, he used to look up at the sky every night and think that the brightest star he saw was his brother. Children in general, and especially younger children, have very vivid imagination, and they believe in magic. Sadly, this is something that we lose as we get older. I often think, think that if we had stayed in touch with the magic that exists in this world, we would suffer less when grieving, because there is magic in this world. Haven't you had days when you feel that everything flows beautifully, when unexpected things Unexpected kind things happen, and seemingly coincidental things occur. Well, that is magic at play. So it is never too late, in my opinion, to reawaken ourselves to that magic in life. And all we have to do, really and truly, is to follow the lead of our children, because they are our biggest teachers in that area. All you have to do is see the look of wonder in their eyes when they watch snowflakes fall or a rainbow appears, or they find a shiny rock or a colorful shaped leaf. All you have to do is wash them and then get in touch with it, emulate them. I remember clearly a bereaved mother whose daughter was very angry, whose surviving daughter was very angry about the loss of her brother. And this bereaved mother would not allow her to release her anger. She would tell her that it was not okay to feel angry. Well, after we had several meetings together, she was able to see that her daughter needed, what she needed was to be shown safe outlets for her anger. And she also needed to have her feelings of anger validated because we feel what we feel. And suppressing our feelings is really not healthy. So this mother was able to, to get in touch with this and to take active steps. We made a small square little pouch, just made of material, filled with rice. And so her daughter could punch it 
whenever she felt angry. So she had that outlet. And being given that together with receiving much-needed validation from her mother about the fact that she had the right to her feelings of anger, this helped her daughter enormously so that she could begin to feel better. So whichever the feeling your child is having, make sure to validate that you can't help the way that you feel, but you can always do something about it. You can choose healthy or unhealthy ways to deal with the feelings. And as parents, our job is to teach our children the healthy way to deal with their feelings. There's a very helpful website that has a lot of wonderful, amazingly helpful information to help parents help their grieving children. And so you can just go to HTTPS, w, I mean, HTTPS colon double forward slash www dot D as in David, O-U-G-Y dot org. And when you go there, you click on grief resources. So there's a story behind, behind this, this website even. Do you know or have you heard from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross? She was a renowned Swiss psychiatrist and pioneered in the field of death, dying, and bereavement. And she came up with the five stages of grief. She knew and she took care of a little boy named Dog, but he was, they always call him Doggy, D-O-U-G-Y. His last name was Turner, T-U-R-N-O, and he died at age 13 from an inoperable brain tumor. But one day when he was meeting with Dr. Kubler-Ross, he asked her this question, why do children die? And so Dr. Kubler-Ross was moved to sit down and to handwrite an answer to his question. And she did that in the form of a letter, and she actually also illustrated it. And this little letter is now like a little booklet that you can find, you can purchase it. It is called the Doggy Doggy Letter, the D-O-U-G-Y Letter. And you can purchase it on the, if you go to dot. Elizabeth Kubler, and that is K-U-B-L-E-R dash Ross, R-O-S-S foundation dot com. And then you click on store, and then you scroll down to the bottom, and you will find the doggy letter, and you can purchase it. It is a beautiful little booklet that explains life and explains death in a way that is understandable to children, Okay. So another thing that you can do for your children and that is important is to be flexible when it comes to routines because not only has your world been shattered by your loss, but the world of your other children has also been shattered. And what I mean is that they may be more clingy, they may ask to sleep with you, and it will be important that you allow them to do this, even though you may not have allowed this before the loss. But these are different times, right? Nothing is the same anymore. So we need to be more lenient. We need to be comforting, comforting towards the other children because they need it badly. Death is scary. And who knows what might be swirling inside of the minds of our children, especially at night time, especially at bedtime. Trust me that in time there will be less and less, lesser and lesser requests to sleep with you and that they will return to their bedrooms. So I want to remind anyone who is listening that if you have any questions or if you want to share anything or make any comments, 
You can call into the show at 646-378-0378. Because I will be glad to answer any questions that you may have. Uh, So continuing with the subject of helping your children, a good way to get an idea of what your child is feeling or thinking about is to look closely at the drawings that they bring home from school. In looking back, in looking back at the drawings my son made during the year following his brother's death, I came across the drawing of a casket in a room and a tornado hitting directly towards our home. These, there are also drawings of the family members with his brother up in the sky watching over us. So children oftentimes will not verbalize, don't have the words to express how they're feeling, but then they express how they're feeling through their drawings. So pay attention to those drawings that they, they're making either at home or that they're bringing home from school. And make sure to talk with your other children about their brother or sister or about their loved one because that gives them the opportunity to ask you any questions or to voice any concerns that they may have and that they may not tell you unless you open the door for it. It is amazing how much our children hate to upset, upset their parents, to upset their loved ones. And because of that, they keep a lot of their feelings to themselves. They do not want to make their parents or their loved ones sad or to hurt them in any way or to see them cry. Our children are so very loving towards us. They truly are our teachers of unconditional love, if you only pay attention. I only became aware of this after my son Christopher passed away, and it was an eye-opening realization, one I will never forget. To this day, I continue to learn about love, unconditional love from my grown children. Hasn't your heart been touched by how quickly your child or your children forgive you? for something that you did that was hurtful to them? It melts your heart, doesn't it? So I have talked a lot today about how to help your grieving children while at the same time acknowledging how difficult it is to do so when you're grieving yourself. So I want to make sure that you take care of yourself as well, that you receive the support needed to help you be there for your children. Support groups can be wonderful because you can meet with people who have experienced a similar loss and that feel that it can feel very freeing and healing at the same time when you do that, when you meet people you know, that are in the same situation. What a relief it can be to not have to walk on eggshells when talking with others who have not walked in your shoes, right? Because you never know when they will make a comment that is not appropriate or that it will make you feel bad or angry. The Compassionate Friends is a support group that is run entirely by the parents and it is a national organization that has helped many grieving parents. You can find a local chapter by going to their website, www.thecompassionatefriends.org. There are also hospices which provide bereavement services to the community, and also there are many online bereavement groups that can help you feel safe expressing your feelings of grief amongst those who are also going through the same type of loss. Some people really benefit from support groups. Others do not well in that setting. They can then go to a grief counselor for individual support and will benefit from it. So since we're getting close to the end of the show, I would like to review some of the more important points that have been discussed so far. So first, I talked about how difficult it is to go through the holidays with our loved one or with our child and how knowing or believing that your child, that your loved one is still around you, loving you, can be of help to you. 
I discussed that even though it's been 22 years since I lost my son Christopher to cancer, whenever a monarch butterfly dances in front of me or a rainbow or God's light filters through the clouds, I know that he's letting me know that he is with me. I then went on to talk about how someone who has lost a child or a, child or a loved one feels that it will never be possible to pick up the pieces and move forward in their life. But I'm here to tell you that it is possible to do so, and I'm here to help you as well. It is true that after your loss, there are so many thoughts running through your head, and those thoughts bring about feelings and emotions that have an effect on you. You also have outside influences, the things that people say to you, the things that, the things that they expect from you. All of these together make it so that you end up feeling overwhelmed, numb, and paralyzed, so you don't know what to do. Well, you have two choices. You either shut down or you move forward. But when you shut down, you then decide to stifle your feelings, to not deal with your loss, to continue to go through life mechanically. And if you do this, it will take a huge toll on you and on your family. If, on the other hand, you decide to move forward, you know that you can do so even though you will continue to grieve. You will feel your feelings and consciously decide to keep certain thoughts and discard other thoughts, you will do the inner work necessary in order to heal, and your life will slowly but surely begin to fall into place. As human beings, I talked about the fact that we have the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual aspects of ourselves. And we need to attend to them first in order to heal. We need to take care of our bodies and make sure that we get enough rest in order to heal. We need to shine a flashlight into our mind to identify the thoughts that give us pain and to consciously choose to replace, replace them with positive thoughts so that we can get ourselves out of our worst moments. This does not mean that we do not feel our sadness or pain. No, no, we do feel it. We cry, but then we do something about it by choosing to dwell on a positive memory. Do you see how doing this can be helpful to you from moment to moment? Then comes the emotional, which is linked to the mental. Because when you choose a different thought rather than the one that gave you pain, then you choose a different emotion. Because different thoughts elicit different emotions. And lastly comes the spiritual aspect. Because as we know, as we know, the loss that we have suffered Bigger changes in the beliefs that we hold about God, about religion, and our spirituality. So we must come to terms with what our new beliefs are, whether we feel closer to the religion we were raised in or farther, whether we're angry towards God or not, whether we even believe in a God anymore or not. There are many, many different ways in which we can go, but it is necessary that we reach a point of clarity as to where we stand in our beliefs, how much we have changed in order to begin to heal and in order to begin to move forward in our lives while still grieving for our loss. After taking steps to heal all these four aspects of our humanity, we can then begin to think about where we want to be in six months or a year's time. Where do we want to be? Do we want to be in the same house or apartment or move? Do we want to be in the same city or not? Do we want to be doing the same job or go to school to apply what you have learned from the loss? Or do you want to quit your job and stay home? How do you want to be feeling by then? What are the predominant thoughts and feelings that you want to have in your mind and heart most of the time? 
What activities do you want to be engaged in during your spare time? What kind of people do you want to have around you? Well, you get the idea, right? So now that when you have identified how do you want to feel, whether you want to be, whether you want to be doing, and all of this in six months' time or in a year's time, then you can get magazines or Google the images of those things that you want, the words that express how you want to feel, etc. And you can either cut them out from the magazines or print them if you have Googled them and cut them, and then stick them on a poster board or a large piece of paper. And then when you are done with that, place this on a highly visible place so you can look at it every day. Then you take time every morning and every night to look at it and imagine yourself living that life, feeling that way, doing those activities, being surrounded by those people. And not only imagine it, no, but feel it. Feel it, feel it, feel it with all that you've got and continue doing this until it happens. Because vision boards, boards are very powerful tools that can help us manifest the change that we want to experience in our lives. So I hope that you do this for yourself, especially now when we are at the brink of beginning a new year. It's a blank canvas for us to create a new life for us, for ourselves. And doing this will bring you clarity as to what your goals are and, and to what you need to focus on that will help you move forward, Okay. And you will move forward with a razor-sharp focus, okay? Another thing that I shared was the link to a meditation that I created in order to help you. And it is called Meeting Your Future Self Meditation. The link is https colon double forward slash www.knowyourusualgreatbook.com forward slash h, the number 10, dash guided dash meditations. I also talked about that something that can help us grieving parents or anyone who's grieving the loss or a loved one is to think of a way to apply the lessons we have learned from our experiences in order to help others. You could write a book to share your story, volunteer somewhere so you can be near to those you can help the most. You can go back to school so you can learn more about how to work with those you want to help. In fact, the possibilities are endless. But choosing to do this can have an enormous, enormous impact on your healing process. Lastly, I discussed that bereaved parents worry immensely about their surviving children, if they have any. And I outlined several practices and several rituals that parents can do to help their children at this time. I provided information on several books that can be read to young children, like uh, The Invisible String and um, How When Dinosaurs Die and um, What on Earth Do We Do When Someone Dies. These are books for younger children. I also mentioned a, a journal. For, it's called Fire, Fire in My Heart, Eyes in My Veins. Veins, a journal for teenagers who are experiencing grief. And I also talked about a book journal to help the parents themselves, help the, pe- the person who is grieving, you know, themselves. I mentioned a book that celebrated Swiss psychiatrist, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She hand wrote and illustrated for a little boy named Doug, 
but he was called, his nickname was Doggy, and that is D as in David, O-U-G-I-E. And the book is called The Doggy Letter and can be purchased through this following link, www.elizabeth, and that is Elizabeth with an S, not with a Z, so Elizabeth Kubler, K-U-B-L-E-R, Ross, R-O-S-S, foundation.com. And when you go there, you click on the store option, and in, and in there, you will find a little, toward the end, if you scroll down, you will find the, the doggy letter. And in it, she answered the question that this boy asked her. The question was, why do children die? So this is important if you, if you want, um, if you think that will be helpful. Um, I also discussed how important it is to pay attention to your children's behavior as well as to the nonverbal cues and to how they're behaving in school, okay? Because our children protect their loved ones, protect their parents. They don't want to make them sad. They don't want to make them cry. They don't want to make them worry. Watching the expressions in their parents' faces, in their loved ones' faces, that is exactly what they're doing because they love us unconditionally. So at this point now, um, what I do is that I draw a card from, from the angels because I know that the angels um, are really, really um, looking forward to any opportunity that we give them to um, provide you with a message that will be encouraging and helpful to you and, and always loving so right now I'm shuffling the deck, my deck of the Archangel Oracle cards to see what card, you know, comes out. And the card that came out this week is very interesting. It's the Clairvoyance card. And um, the Clairvoyance card comes to you from a very special Archangel. And his name is Archangel Raziel. What he says is the following. He says, I'm helping your spiritual sight to awaken fully so you can clearly see heavenly love. So to anyone who is listening to this show right now who uh, is either a bereaved parent or is someone who is grieving the loss of a loved one, Archangel Raziel wants to let you know that he's trying to help you um, awaken your spiritual sight so that you can feel and see heavenly love. So your clairvoyance may come in different forms. Like you may be having, and listen to this, you may be having fleeting mental images in your mind's eye, or you may have dreams or recurring sights in the physical world, like for example, energy or auras or an apparition experience. But all of the facets of clairvoyance are beautiful and varied. So what he says, if you're having some unusual experiences, then you need to enjoy and trust in them and hold the intention of seeing only love. And that is what you will see. So he wants to make sure, Archangel Raziel, that you're not scared by any of these experiences, any of these things that you are either experiencing as mental images in your mind, fleeting mental images, or things that are coming up in your dreams, or sighting, because 
what you do, what you need to do is let go of the fear and hold the intention of seeing only love. And that is what you will see. So more about Archangel Raziel is that his aura holds all the colors of the rainbow, like a beautiful prism of light. So something that you can do is that you can work with clear quartz crystals because uh, clear quartz crystals, they magnify clairvoyance and they help you feel closer to this Archangel, Archangel Raziel. So when you are struggling in this, this coming week, during this time, when you're feeling, when you're having unusual experiences and you're feeling afraid, keep in mind this message from Archangel Raziel to just enjoy these experiences and to trust in them and to hold the intention of seeing only love. Because when you do that, that is, that is the only thing that you will see. Okay? So if what I have discussed with you on this show, if any of these resonates with you, and if you feel that you would like to know more of what, or about what it would be like to work with me, because this is what happens. You can do this work on your own like I did in order to help myself, in order to move forward in spite of my grief. You can do that on your own. But it took me years and years. Or you can have someone to guide you every step of the way with whom you can be in touch weekly on a weekly basis and who can share with you exactly what you need to do step by step to really move forward as you continue to grieve and to really experience a, a great measure of inner peace, a great measure of clarity, a greater measure of um, peace instead of anxiety, instead of fear. And so those are the things that I help anyone who is um, struggling in life, you know, dealing with their grief, do. And that is where my heart is in this mission, okay? So if, if, if you would like to find out more about this, I encourage you to send me an email. My email address is Selene Negrete author at yahoo.com or you can also send me a private message on my Facebook page at Spirit Whispers with Selene because you know what? I would love to hear from you and I would love to see whether we're a good fit to work together. Okay? Now, if you, after hearing about my book, which is titled Not Your Usual Grief Book, how to heal while connecting with your child who died. If you would like to purchase it, either for yourself or for a friend or for a family member, someone that you know who has lost a child, you can go to my website, which is https colon double forward slash www.notyourusualgriefbook.com and you will find the link there to purchase it through Amazon. It, uh, the price is uh, $9.99 if, it is a, if you're doing a, a paperback or um, $2.99 if, you're doing, if, you, if you want the ebook version, okay? And I also have wanted to share something with you that beginning in January, 
I will be doing this show every other week. I will be um, coming on the show on the second and the fourth week of each month, on the second and fourth Thursday of each month, instead of every Thursday like I have been doing so far. And so, therefore, I will talk with you again on Thursday, January 11th, from 10 to 11 in the morning. And until then, I will carry you in my heart, and I will talk with you next year. Take care.